conversations and meditations. With Justin Martin. Very professional, I must say. Well, the whole get up. feels professional. I, I only know how to use these two buttons and that big red one. <laughs> or... Wow, is can, that on there? We, we can, can meditate. Yes, we can bring it in. I, I did yeah. that before when I do a meditation. I can. I love that. Namaste, Paula. Namaste. <laughs> I was waiting for a third. <laughs> there we go. What is? It's wild. That was a little bit too much. And then if we're really stoked about it. <laughs> no, so this is the better one. Yay, Paula's here. <laughs> I'd like to introduce Paula McMahon to the podcast. Thank you, everyone. Calm down. Please keep your seats. <laughs> no, wonderful. Thank you, everybody. That's an appropriate welcome. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Conversations and Meditations. Today, we're introducing Paula McMahon to our uh, audience. Paula has been at Riverdale for over a year, almost fully a year. Just over a year. Just over a year. Yeah. We should have had a party. I'm sorry. No. Originally in the role of marketing coordinator, recently had a job description change. Um, welcome, Paula. Thank you. So, uh, Paula, would you mind talking a little bit about your job description change? So it's gone from marketing coordinator to community engagement coordinator. That's the one. Yeah. Thank you very much. How did that come about? Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I think, to be honest with you, um, yeah, it came about, and thank you for having me, by the way. Oh, that's um, exciting. <laughs> um, I think it came about, um, yeah, obviously being in the marketing role for a year um, and really loving that side of it, but also really seeing, you know, Riverdale and the place that it is and what a beautiful community it already has and the potential for it and also the history as well. And I think when it comes to marketing, myself personally, it's not even about the marketing so much as it's building a relationship with people and whether that you know be online or that would be with people here and it just felt more of a natural progression to go i want to be more of a community engagement coordinator as opposed to just marketing traditional marketing of events yeah. um and so yeah i guess i came to you and said can i be that instead yeah. <laughs> and um, luckily you said yes yeah um and the, i guess there's a real um opportunity i i feel for a natural evolution in that role. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like right now, but yeah, it's exciting to see where it goes. And obviously there's still a lot of the marketing aspects in it, but more with just that recognition that Riverdale is a not-for-profit. We are a community and we want to expand upon that community. No, it's, it's been one of the biggest challenges uh, since I started at Riverdale, and I'm sure for many, many years before that as well, it's not a uniquely... Uh, our problem it's it's been an ongoing issue which is to say like how do you engage 
the community beyond Riverdale, the grounds even, um, but how do you engage even our local community who are already connected to Riverdale, yeah. but don't necessarily um, see it as as a community centre, but more as a, as a venue for hire mm. and or just a venue for experiencing particular events, but recognising that it's actually... It could be so much more than that if, if there's a drive and a desire for it to be so. And I think it's really exciting that we're continuing to explore. It's not like, again, we're not the first people to try and explore these ideas, but continuing to explore new ways of making this place feel more like home for more people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch it all unfold. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, I guess one example of of an initiative that actually we didn't come up with but that we're supporting and, and trying to get get started is the world peace day yeah uh we're gonna have a gathering on for world peace day on the 21st of september not exactly sure what that's going to look like just yet except for we hope it involves the people listening to this and and a whole bunch more congregating at riverdale to sort of stand in unity for world peace and celebrate that intention on the grounds, maybe we'll have some music, maybe we'll have some, who knows, some yoga sessions, some meditation, some chanting, some talking, whatever we might feel like doing. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think that's sort of like one of the first events kind of that really sit perfectly in that wheelhouse of community engagement. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I think, yeah, it's such a great opportunity for a sense of community and togetherness and, yeah, to really, you know, bring bring people together in that space. You said before about, like, the sense of home here and I yeah. think, like, in a society where we've, we've been through a lot in the last few years and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people, um, I think, are still, well, you know, there's, there's really opportunity here for people to come together and feel that sense of togetherness and home in a society where in a lot of ways we're disconnecting more. Yeah. There is a great opportunity to come together and I think in particular this event will be one of those, especially for World Peace Day. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. And it's going to be an international collaboration as yeah. well, which is the first time for a long time that I'm aware of at least that, that Riverdale has opened to the public, other than the Sunday services, of course, which we run uh, every Sunday, yeah. th there is an international aspect to those. Mm. This time around, we're, we're hoping to create some sort of global interface mm -hmm. where people can, can connect in and see that you know, we're not alone in this desire for a better world. And yeah. Um, just, yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting to, to see that ignite around the world. Yeah, for um, sure. Again, no, no idea exactly what it's going to look like, but I yeah. think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us a little bit up to speed with what you're currently up to at Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Do you mind, I mean, for the people who have never met you before, do you mind if we like talk a little bit about, you know, how you came to be here, starting as far back as, as you're prepared to go? You yeah, know, like, sure. Where did you grow up? What's your family history? Whatever you're happy to okay. share with us. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so we're, I guess I'll get you started with a question. Okay, cool. That's the yeah, fair that, thing to do. Help. Do that. No worries. <laughs> uh, how about your family history? Like, what, where are your parents from? What's your lineage? Where, you know, do you have a, a heritage outside of Australia? Sure. Um, heritage. Okay, so yeah, pretty predominantly English. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. So um, my nan and pop moved here from England, came over by boat. Um, they had their four kids and then my mum was in my nan's belly. Okay, um, yeah, great. So they came here. And then my dad's side, English as well, but I think they've been here for longer. So, so you're kind of second generation, but almost first. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if they'd yeah. been a little slower on yeah. the boat. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ah, so, nice. Yeah. Could, um, no, yeah. go for it. No, I was just going to say, no, you ask a question. No. no. 
No? I don't want to. Okay, all right, sure. I'll feel <laughs> Can't you. Can't make me. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess um, one of the things that I grew up doing a lot was horse riding and uh-huh. um, we were lucky enough to be able to horse ride on the beach most mornings but then my grandparents also had a farm at Gawler um, and so we were just discussing earlier about where Riverdale is is right next to Gawler River Pony Club and that was a pony club I went to a lot as a kid. Yeah it's under, um, I, I was kind of blown away when you mentioned that I mean I've known you for a year anyway yeah. and I hadn't put those two bits of the puzzle together to realize oh really literally that space. Yeah that one. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. It is it's so cool and like my grandparents my nan passed away last year but um, luckily at this stage anyway the farm's still in the family and it's just been so beautiful I think you know to go back a little bit you know you can have all these plans in life but sometimes call it God call it universe call it whatever sometimes life just steers you on a different path than what you anticipated and I think you know how I came to be at Riverdale I you know if you'd asked me two years ago you know or told me you're going to be working at Riverdale as a marketing coordinator or community engagement coordinator I would have been like what are you talking about and yet here I am and I'm really happy but it was interesting when I came for the interview as well driving down um not Hillier Road, Clifford Road, Clifford Road and being yeah. like, I've been here before. Yeah. And there was a real sense of coming home yep. in that space as well, and obviously with the Pony Club. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, higher power, whatever it is, but I do feel that I'm exactly where I'm meant to be yeah. at this point in time. Yeah, well, it's probably, well, maybe it's too early days to to mention too much about the potential of us taking advantage of the, the locality of the Pony Club mm. uh, for our next um, Goodness Me Festival. It's not quite the sign. The deal hasn't quite been signed off, but there is the potential that we're going to be able to use that space for camping and um, and car parking and stuff, which might give us the opportunity to expand the whole program a little further, include more people, uh, less restriction on the number of people that we could sell tickets to, and just expanding the whole experience into an possibly one or two night camping. Yeah. I imagine that you know uh, at an event like that, you get to make friends at an event like that, but oftentimes, particularly the style of event that we were putting on you know, this March, where a lot of it was workshop-based and um, you know there was a lot of modalities being explored and, and participated in, it, there wasn't necessarily a huge amount of time for people to just like randomly meet people. Yeah. Um, whereas you, you have those experiences and then you throw some camping in at the back and, and I'm not sure if we'll be able to have campfires, possibly not. But I'm sure there'll be congregations will will form naturally. And I think that's where a lot of friendships are likely to kind of blossom is the inverted commas after party, not condoning after parties. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? I think I reckon it could really add an extra element that will be potent and powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's all coming together. It's very exciting. For sure. So you... Grew up kind of locally. I heard you very casually mention that you, you know, you got to ride horses on the beach every morning as if that's what people normally do. Yeah. Uh, how is that possible? Where? When? I know. How? I know. <laughs> the irony is that when I was a kid, I didn't think it was anything different. I thought, every, yep. you know, I just didn't think much of it. Now I go, man, I was so lucky. Um, but yeah, my, my grandparents came over and um, they bought a, a little block of land on the Esplanade at Semaphore Park when, you know, it was worth nothing. There was nothing around. Um, and they built their house there. And, um, and then my mum and dad bought the house three houses down the road and so it was really beautiful and at the time my nana and pop had um 
and they still they're still there actually at the house but have stables in the backyard yeah. and so you were just you know we had the horses in the backyard and then when Incredible. they went out for a spell they came to the farm at Gawler uh-huh. um, and yeah every morning before school you know we'd walk down to Nan and Pops saddle up the horses go oh, ride them along the beach and um, my Nan used to do um, she used to be a horse trainer um, for the gallops so um, yeah there'd be a lot of um, I guess a lot of other racing stables in the area. I was um, going to ask, was that, I mean, you must have been a bit of a, a unique spectacle at the yeah. time. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, there's those young girls going for a horse ride again. Yeah, on their ponies. Yeah. And, you know, uh, trotting and cantering along. But there were other... There were horses in that area yeah, at the time. Yeah, so there were. So there was like, you know, they'd be doing their training in the morning and they'd yep. be in their little jockey saddles and yep. galloping past us. Um, and also some trotters in the area as well, yep. some trotting horses. So I some think I do, racing. I think I do remember from my you know childhood or I think I do remember seeing horses being trained in the water like yeah. you know like just swimming and and yeah. I guess getting their strength up in the water as yeah. well so yeah I do recall Absolutely. there being horses and they love it too yep. yeah um yeah I remember one day in particular doing that with the horses and then dolphins coming along and swimming next to us oh, and no way. it was um yeah it was pretty it was pretty crazy that's pretty, really, really cool <laughs> yeah that's like a once in a lifetime dream opportunity for most you know who wouldn't want to do that once yeah. in their life that's it. I'd so. pay significant amounts of money to have that experience. <laughs> I know. I would now too. Yeah. <laughs> Please. We could go back. But, um, yeah, it was it was definitely very cool. Yeah. And so where, where, what school did you go to? Where did you grow up? Down Semaphore? Yeah. 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 So I um, went to West Lakeshore Primary. Uh-huh. Um, it was just a good little, you know, public school down there. Yep. Um, and then I went to Siena College at Finden. Um, but it's not there anymore. I think it's called Nazareth now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but we moved out to... Mum and dad got divorced, and then my um, my mum started um, dating my stepdad, my now stepdad, and yep. he lived at Globe Derby, so has harness yep. racing. Um, so there's always horses in the yeah. in the field. So then, when I was, I think about 15 we moved to globe derby yeah, um wow. and yeah hmm. kind of still got horses happening i um i'm really trying to kind of get back to having my own horse and and riding yeah. more regularly again but um it is hard you know in yeah. suburbia and being it's a mom and super expensive all the too yeah that too yeah so. it's um i've got friends and so time consuming i had no idea Around about five years ago, approximately, I had a vision of having a horse. My daughter was obsessed with horses. I love my daughter. I wanted to get her a horse. And we went as far as looking at properties to consider purchasing, which unfortunately now, even if we wanted to, we couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. However, uh, at that time, it was possible. You know, I was like, oh, that's not cheap, but we could probably make that work. Yeah. My wife was extremely against the idea. She had much more insight than I did. I'm yeah. like, what could be the problem? She's like, you have, you don't know. <laughs> and then it was only since in the last approximately couple of years that um, Sky, my daughter, had started working in adjustment for, for a lady looking after their horses yeah. and realising that morning and night, this incredible amount of activity has to occur. Yeah. Depending on the weather, different rugs, different this, different that, yeah, brush the horse, so feed work. the horse. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. You have to be really committed. Yeah. Uh, I, I think my aquarium's laborious. <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, horses are a whole other thing. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I think that was one of the things, as much as I loved being, you know, at Semaphore Park and growing up with the horses, that was, it's even more so when they're in stables because you have to ride them at least once a day. Right. And, so yeah. you, and you have to go and feed them in the evening. Like you, so you have to do morning and night, whereas when they're out in paddocks, sometimes you yep. can kind of, it, it's not as much. Yeah. Um, so that was always what I said. I was like, oh, get horses again, but when I'm on property. but. Yep. 
that will come one day. No, I have no <laughs> doubt about it. So if you want it, you'll get it. Yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. that's so cool, though, that you're looking down that path. For, for we considered it. Well, I actually had this vision at the time that this particular property we looked at, it was a, a horse property. It was all set up for it. And I could have imagined uh, actually turning into like a bit of a secondary business mm. because uh, it it shared a fence with the Mount Crawford Forest. Oh, beautiful. So you could run tours from there, I would have imagined, with permission with the forest that you you know, you know would lead people out the driveway and down into the forest immediately. You're, you're in public, that land. Yeah. And I also imagined her potentially having like four or five other people's horses that we would look after that she could do as a as a side business for herself actually yeah um but yeah i'm in hindsight i have to concede <laughs> i think sarah was right there's no way my daughter would have been disciplined enough to pull that off yeah. and there's no way that i would have had the enthusiasm for much longer than a couple of years <laughs> to just maintain that so yeah. yeah it becomes your whole life that's for sure it's, yeah it's definitely a, a lifestyle it's not a turnkey lifestyle no no, no not at all. <laughs> it's a, but yeah i can see the appeal for sure yeah um so School. I know you've you've been a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened between those those periods of time? You know, like in terms of employment. What what's your path been? Yeah. Um. So I finished year twelve, and I hated school. I hated school yeah. so much. And um. Yeah. I was I was encouraged to go to uni as you often do. Except my dear mum was like, you know what, Paula, do what you want to do. I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah. Um. And so I took a year off, and then of course I didn't go. Um. And um. Yeah. I went overseas. I I did a Camp America when I was eighteen. Oh, wow. I went over there for three months. Yep. Um. In North Carolina, and that was just a really fun thing to do. And what was your role there? You were like... in the stables. So yep. the stable hand, and uh-huh. um. Yeah. And the kids in the school camp and yeah, yeah. it was really cool that had been awesome it was yeah, yeah yeah um and then I you know came back and I needed to you know get a job um mm. as you do and um I did my training to become a Les Mills instructor I think I think I was just turned 18 yeah. um so that's that a was, fitness a, yeah fitness yeah, instructor, yeah yeah to yeah be a fitness instructor and I just loved that and I loved going to the gym when I was a teenager mm. and so that was kind of just a, a path that I went down and and taught at um quite a few different gyms and that was where one of them was where I met my husband so that's yep. nice perfect um and that's uh, sorry to interrupt there that's my son in his infinite childlike wisdom at the time I recall when he was around about 10 maybe younger and maybe it was his grandmother someone in the family was saying to him so when are you going to get yourself a girlfriend you know like as if that's important when you're 10 yeah. <laughs> I think they were just teasing him and uh he's like I remember him responding very sincerely and he said actually you know I'm just going to keep doing the things I enjoy doing and then I'm sure that someone else I'll find someone else who enjoys doing them too. Wow, how wise. I know, uh, <laughs> because I've seen so many people turn themselves inside out yeah. in an attempt to, so what does everyone want from me? Like, mm-hmm. how do I be what they want so that they want me? Yes, um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, from a very early age, he, he recognised that if that's going to be, that'll be. I'm just going to keep doing the things I enjoy until Good that someone else also enjoys it. Yeah. It sounds like you... Yeah. Hit that jackpot as we, well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's funny that you say that as well because, you know, went on from there, met John, and he, he had a business at the time, so we kind of went down the path of having businesses, and one of the ones we had was a gym. Yep. Um, and it's so funny. John and I were just talking about the other day about how um, – 
so many people would join the gym and then they'd be single and they'd get fit and they'd be coming and then as soon as they'd meet a partner you wouldn't see them again oh bummer yeah. it was all but yeah, it was yeah. always like you know instead of doing something that you enjoy yeah um and there's nothing wrong with that because you know sometimes people want to go to the gym for you know to in- increase their self-confidence and, yeah. which is awesome it'll work um but it's yeah it's interesting and then you've got those people that are just diehards that have been going to the gym forever yeah um and then yeah often they do meet their we, we had many members that ended up um, getting together and meeting each other there. and I can't even weddings. imagine how... Had, yeah, it was beautiful. For me personally, probably because I have never both simultaneously been single and gone to the gym. Yeah. I've been... Uh, my mum spoke to me just the other day and in 2025 will be my silver wedding anniversary. Yeah. I've been married 25 years. Wow. In, in two years' time. It happens um, so fast. It's <laughs> unreal. And then, then she reminded me that it'll also be the 50th of my life. Yeah. You know, it'll be like you'll be 50 years old and you'll have been married for 25 years. It's yeah. like it's hard to imagine that I would have been married for literally half my life. Yeah. And the day after, I'll have been married. Uh, there would have been more of my life that I've been married yeah. than not. What a trip. It's crazy, isn't it? It's Yeah. It's, there's some fascinating things unfolding as you get older. It's like, yeah. wow. Would never have predicted that, or yeah. who knows? It just, yeah, uh, unbelievable. But um, I can't imagine approaching someone in the gym. Mm. It just seems like such a bold move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so power to you. But uh, how do you go about it? <laughs> well, again, I think like our gym was very much based around community, which uh-huh. is something I've always been passionate about. And so yep. bringing people together and, and our kind of, I guess, tagline at our gym was, um, well, it wasn't a tagline, but it was in my mind was like the gym for everyday people. We weren't <laughs> a bodybuilding gym. We yep. weren't a um, CrossFit gym. We were just a 24-hour gym with just an awesome vibe. It was called Vibe Fitness, yep. the vibe and the atmosphere. And um, and so I think that kind of ran through. People would just go in and they'd be like, hey, how are you going? And if yeah. you saw someone more than a couple of times, you just say, Hi, and sometimes it was hard because you wouldn't get a workout in. It'd just be a social. Yeah. That's thing. why I wear earphones. <laughs> I always wear earphones as as like a, a subtle cue. Yes, I'm not here for a chat, people. Yeah. <laughs> I even got a top printed at one point. So really? Like I'm training. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it was funny actually. Even John at one point joined. Oh, I feel bad saying this, but he joined another gym because he couldn't train at our gym oh, wow. because he's always. T- yeah, people. I can imagine. So he was like, I'm cheating on my own gym. But anyway, it was fun. Um, but yeah, so there was just... You could, could have done some sort of exchange program with the owner of that gym. So you probably feel me here, brother or sister. Let's, yeah. let's swap. It was funny. But, you know, we wouldn't have changed it for the world. And it was from that perspective of, you know, we didn't want to be rude, but also, you know, fitness is a is a big value for both of us. Yep. So, um, yeah, it was funny at the time. But, yeah, it was just the culture in, in the place where everyone just kind of got to know everyone. So I think when you see people every day, yep. you know, regularly, um, you just start to kind of strike up conversations. And I can think of two. We went to one, one wedding for people that met there. And then there's another couple now who we're good friends with who just, they were, they're like soulmates. It's so beautiful. Mm, perfect. Um, so exactly how it happened, I don't know. But yeah. I'd say it'd just be through this kind of just a nice vibe that yeah, was yeah. going on. So. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it has been something that's just innately part of what you do is build opportunity for communities to cool. to evolve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something I'm, I, I don't know, I've just always been really passionate about. Um, and I think that bringing people together, I think – 
um, a sense of connection to to one another, but also, um, especially for the last business I built, a real sense of connection to yourself. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, um, prior to that business in particular, I went through a challenging time, went, had postnatal depression mm. to my first daughter, and that was when I found meditation and, and okay. um, you know, the sense of peace that that gave me. And then that opened up you know, call it what you will, an awakening. It, it opened up a part of me mm-hmm. that felt this deep, deep, deep sense of connection to myself and yep. to my heart and to, as that went further, to togetherness. Yep. And so um, I wanted to, yeah, not only then with that next business was not only create an opportunity for people to come together and feel that beautiful sense of connection of community, but to also really feel a deep sense of connection with themselves mm-hmm. and to um, allow themselves to be no matter what emotions they're experiencing, no matter mm-hmm. what they're experiencing, but just to help them to tap into that place. So, yep. yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, why, that's obviously why you're such a perfect fit for the role that you've got at Riverdale yeah. and for just Riverdale in general. I mean, that you pretty well summed up a, a large part of, of, you know, the intention behind Riverdale is to help people find that within themselves mm. without the need for an external mouthpiece or guru or I mean you, you may find benefit in those yeah. things and the, of course there are lots of wonderful teachings out there presented by wonderful teachers mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately that sense of peace can only come from within yeah um, and yeah I, th- I think that's really important that's one of the things that really attracted me to hear um, <laughs> you know was I think it was, you know, watching the videos on the website and just having a look and really recognising there was this sense of, a sense of spirituality, but a sense of that you can show up as you are and come and experience different things and then see what's real and true for you. Mm. And there's no judgment on that, you know, and, and I think that's, that's something that's so special about Riverdale yeah. because I think there is that community aspect of people coming together, but there's no dictatorship of this is the path or this is yeah. the way to, you know, spirituality. It's just, you know, it's go inwards really and find I, the answers there. I think that, that, that you're right. And it is a point, not necessarily an exclusive point of difference, but it is a point of difference from, from lots of other organised spaces, mm. um, particularly with a spiritual focus, because they do typically tend to have a, a single path that is the, the, pr- the primary method. Yeah. Um, and it's, while it's a big strength and point of difference of Riverdale, it's also proving to be one of the most difficult aspects yeah. Because it's like, how do you get people to um, to gather around their own internal experience? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, until they reach a point, as you mentioned, mm. that you come to such a, a, a deep understanding of your own being, mm. and then come to recognise that we all share that mm-hmm. that what's the word there? That energy that whatever the thing that sparks us mm-hmm. and, and makes us different from rocks, yeah. um, that we all share that energy in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, until, until people come to realise that, it's really difficult to get people to, to form community yes. um, around such a disparate and open-ended invitation. Absolutely. So, yeah, you got your work cut out for you. Yeah. I think you articulated that beautifully, though, because that's... I'm sure I'll edit it to make it sound like I really did. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, that's really... And it's one of those things that you can't force either. You know, yeah. it just comes in time and, you know, I well, not even in time. It just is... It's, I think, you know, a moment of just 
realization or just this this feeling you can't even put it into words mm. um and so you can't you know you can't, almost can't consciously make yourself or anyone else do that it just happens correct um and so yeah i think it's just again the way i see it at this point in time is it's just creating opportunities for mm. people to you know create togetherness to hold space yep. almost for people in a sense of love and non-judgment and openness yep. without any sort of layering upon our own interpretations yep. and just allowing them to have an experience whether that be meditation sound bath breath work whatever that is and when that spark is going to happen it's going to happen yeah um and it may be at an event at riverdale or it may be Anyway, Somewhere, for me, yeah. I just literally remember doing the dishes one day mm-hmm. and I was just in that moment and I was very present for someone that's often in their mind. Mm-hmm. I was very present in my body and I just, it was a moment of like, I just felt like, it was almost like my heart exploded and I was like, oh, oh, that's presence. Mm-hmm. That's, wow. Like that to me, I can't even put it into words, but no. it was a moment where it was just like, oh, that's the constant that's the piece. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Um, and it was a really, you know, it was a very surreal moment. And, you know, again, that's just my experience of that. Yep. I'm sure others will have different experiences. Yeah, well, um, I was speaking to someone yesterday uh, after a meditation session and they were expressing a desire to want to, uh, I guess in, in a way they were kind of comparing their own expression into the world to the expression of of other people and the people in particular they were comparing themselves to are what you could maybe describe as sort of highly prolific and potentially gifted teachers you know so this person was saying you know i really want to share more of this and they gave me an example of a person who's written multiple um best-selling books on the topic of spirituality and and we're like and we're sort of in some way feeling disempowered in their ability to bring that level of potency or whatever to the global consciousness. Yeah. Um, which I could understand. It's like, yeah, well, I guess I do see your point. But I did stress that, in my opinion, it's more important to do what is true for you mm-hmm. than to set some aspiration based upon the experience of someone else because for me for example something that i really want to bring to the riverdale program is such a simple thing it is literally just inviting people to come for a walk in the forest once a month on a sunday morning or a saturday morning whatever works best uh, and see what happens Mm -hmm. you know without any grand intention of it growing to be some amazing thing yeah. Even if two or three people join me for a walk in the forest and we have a wonderful conversation and maybe find a nice spot to meditate for 20 minutes before we walk back to our cars. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's that feels natural mm-hmm. and I feel called to offer that. Yeah. At this point in time, I don't feel called to sitting and writing a 600-page essay on the uh, the potency of spiritual life, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that doesn't detract from the people who have done that. In mm-hmm. fact, it's, yeah, what a celebration. Congratulations yeah. to them. Yeah. But that was what was true for them. Yes, yeah. And to try and sort of force some other expression other than what's real for you feels contrived and won't work, typically. Yeah. It just won't work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... I, yeah, I hear, I hear that very much. And I, I, um, I think one thing 
just from a personal perspective of also being in stages where you're like, I really want to share this. Yeah. And because and it's beautiful and you feel yes. like I want to share this with the world. But I think sometimes, um, and again, I can only share from my own experience, but sometimes it's a beautiful thing to want to do that. But I think it's... Um, our bodies have so much wisdom within them. Uh-huh. And I think sometimes they're tuning into the body to recognise what energy you're bringing to the table when you want to offer that mm. or that creation. Because if there is too much force, you know, it sometimes you can feel that within your body as well. Yeah. And yeah. to recognise, oh, maybe where is this coming? Being curious, essentially, I think is really important to be curious as to, you know, mm. what it is you want to share. And I think ultimately, as you said, what's true for you. And I think when it comes to that, um, the body is often a, a very good place to go to figure out what's true because the mind likes to to likes to play tricks or yeah, it'll tell your story, tell you stories <laughs> of you know. Um, but I don't know. That's just what came to me when you shared that story. And no, that makes a lot of sense to me. That I think that is something that I use as a guiding mm. a guiding light. Also, is mm. you know, if your anxiety levels are super high, if whatever whatever reaction is is mm. brewing within you it's there for a reason mm. and it doesn't necessarily in my opinion need to be pushed through yeah. but just respected and and kind of explored yeah because uh, sometimes i think it can be a case of it could just be a, a fear of failure or a, you yeah. know those stories and sometimes you know there is a reason to lean into it and to grow you know outside of your comfort zone but then yeah. also it sometimes not that as well yeah and i think that's where as you said um that kind of yeah that the curiosity really just to come back Mm. and to just to question um yeah 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 because that's what i was saying to to, um, my friend yesterday was that doing what 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 is correct for you Mm. doesn't excuse or doesn't give us permission to just stay so comfortable that we don't grow and it's being prepared to touch the edge of that comfort zone and and lean into it a little bit and see what comes from that Mm -hmm. safely of course but not to retract from that feeling of like this feels a little uncomfortable but I know I'm capable of this or I believe I might be capable of this you might not even know that you are but you're prepared to find out yeah um but yeah, I, I feel like gu- using that as a guide of like, oh, I'm right on the edge of what's comfortable for me. This is probably going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is okay, cool. Being mm. really conscious and aware in that moment of like, I have a choice now. Yep. And neither choice is obviously going to be right or wrong, but there's going to be a flow on from that. And mm. I'm going to do the dishes tonight with a whole new... Yeah. <laughs> Expect, not expectation, <laughs> but, you know, just like maybe tonight will be the night. <laughs> have a, have I a, think you've already had your own experiences. I've had some. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, did they involve the dishes? I don't think so. No, not yeah. for me. It was washing a car for me. No. Yeah. <laughs> so do you mind if I ask you a little bit about travel and things like that? Have, yeah, have, sure. have you had any travel experiences as a been any highlights in that regard yeah I mean I I haven't done a lot of travel to be honest with you I'd love to do more um but I went to uh to England when I was 15 um so again like um it's nice to speak for my nan and pop actually a little bit Mm. but um yeah again we went there with my mum and my sister was actually um 
over in the exchange in Belgium at the time, so we met her too. And then we went to where um, my nana and pop grew up and, you know, where they had mm. their first dance and things like that. Where so was that? that? was really cool. This is the problem. I don't remember. Oh, dang it. <laughs> so bad. I was 15 and I was a typical yeah. teenager and just yep. didn't huh? appreciate it. Yes, that's the sad thing. So, yeah, so I really want to go to Europe and that's the only place I've been uh, uh-huh. in England. Um, and then I did America when I was 18. Um, and then from there I travelled around for a month and just, you know, did did the main places, you know, yep. New York, Vegas and Washington and things like that. And it was really mm. cool. Um, Did you have a favourite? Uh, well, I guess um, they're so different. It's like apples and pears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's totally different. Mm. Yeah, I think um, i probably like to go back. Well, yeah, I mean, I love America. I've been back twice since then. So then I went back when I was pregnant with my first daughter with John and we went to um, New York and that was really beautiful. That was awesome. I love New York. We had um, his cousin was living there at the time. So kind of, you know, took us to all the places and that was cool. And then we went back recently for my sister's wedding and stayed most of the time in California. Well, actually the whole time in California. And yeah. that was really cool. I've heard sort of mixed reports about California's culture at the moment, particularly mm. around LA where I believe that the, the sort of poverty and things yeah. like that are getting quite out of hand. Yeah. Did you see any of that while you were there? We did a little bit. We didn't go to LA um, and we didn't go to San Francisco, um, we, but we did drive through and yeah, there was a lot of homelessness. Mm. There was a lot of tents, you know, under bridges and yeah. um, a lot of shops um, that were vacant and there was just a real sense of it was heavy. It was wow. dense. It was, um, and so we spent most of our time in um, Santa Cruz, um, which is where my sister's husband's family live. Um, and even there, there was quite a bit of homelessness there as well. And mm. I think, yeah, it's found it quite sad, really. Um, and even people saying they're now just the cost of living is just going up so much. So, mm. and a real, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, politics and all of that. But there seems to be a lot of you know, conflict around that and swinging one way to the other. So I think um, just from the people that we, you know, did speak to at the airport and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't, don't really... Definitely a place in transition. Yeah. 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 Hopefully in a more positive direction maybe, but... Hopefully. Yeah, it's going to be... A, it is an interesting thing when, you know, you watch... You grow up uh, watching television, you know, nearly all of it was American growing up for mm-hmm. me. And, you know, the, the typical scenario that they paint is that everyone lives in these two-story mansion what i would describe as a mansion home but apparently according to you know leave it to beaver this is just the average american household yeah uh, and there's everything so squeaky clean and picture perfect and mm-hmm. it, it's you know the american dream yeah but then to hear the reality is is such a contrast to that yeah, yeah. it's just such um, a contrast yeah mm. and i think like previously when i've been there there was that but it was even more so now mm-hmm. um and places like vegas where you know you're inside the you know casinos and there's all this money and glamour and then you go out on the road and you've got homeless people everywhere and people it's like begging and... begging and it's just um yeah it's pretty confronting in that way mm-hmm. but um yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, we live in a very lucky place. Well, yeah. I definitely uh, came back with even more, yeah, sense of gratitude for for being here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's not it's not necessarily getting easier for people here either, mm. but it's thankfully at least it's not on that mass. Hopefully, yeah. as a society, we can catch it before it gets to those sort of out of control levels with homelessness and the likes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, mm. Very sad. Well, I guess that's partly of something that we're kind of hoping the knock-on effect of the activities that Riverdale can have in the world is raising people's levels of compassion and um, empathy and hopefully 
having some desire to like take that beyond their experience here and ripple that out into the world somehow, even if it's... I, I heard a really cool quote. I can't remember who it is, so I can't give credit to it. I apologise for that. Um, but it was something along the lines of your most potent spiritual expression can be as simple as the way you smile at someone in a shop. Yeah. And it just like bringing everything back down to those simple gestures of kindness yeah. and love, you know, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Which is, we all know that's what it is, but a lot of people feel uncomfortable yeah. saying that they love a complete stranger and they're happy to smile at them and that's sort of an expression of that. Yeah. Um, but I, that felt very potent to me and very powerful to, as a reminder to go, yeah, you know, like just the simple act of treating the person who's packing your bags at the supermarket oh, as a absolutely. human with kindness and appreciation yeah. for the fact that they're helping you and, you know, yeah. yes, they're doing their job. But, but yeah, I, just, yeah, just being mindful in yes. our daily interaction with other human beings and treating them as other human beings um, is such a, a powerful force for change you know even if it's a subtle subtle shift yeah um so yeah i just thought i don't know why i wanted to share that it just no, it came to me and i, I thought that's a yeah i think it's I'll so beautiful that. and i think it's also kind of going back to what you're saying before you know sometimes we feel like to have an impact in this world you know we have to do things on a big grand scale yeah. you know we have to whatever that may Better be write a book and a this oh, and a yeah, that and, or you know start a business that yeah. you know like so it's but you know, I've, but then there's also been another part of me because, you know, I've, I've been there too. You know, mm -hmm. you want to share it. And, and although, yes, we, you know, it's really great to do that, but you don't have to. <laughs> you know, you can just, as you said, smile at someone that, you know, you walk past or, you know, I don't know. I've always had this thing in the back of my mind with my kids like, you know what? you know, you can be a bus driver and have a huge impact in this world, yeah. you know, or you can be, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it's how you do it and with yeah. your intention and what love you hold and what presence you hold. And mm -hmm. um, I think I just often think of bus drivers because I remember as a teenager getting on a bus and I still remember the smile that this bus driver gave me. Mm. And it just, I just remember being a typical, well, I was a teenager, I was a little bit glum that day. Yep. And I just remember this face and it just, it, it made me so happy. And yeah. I just always think, you know what, you you don't need to necessarily do anything grand in the ideas of the world. It can be the small moments and, yeah, mm. I think that too. I, I had this really, really cool story that was told about somebody who had lived in a neighbourhood for 15 years and had walked past this individual who was uh, homeless or, or at least was, you know, experiencing hard times for a long time mm. and had walked past them so consistently and for so long that they'd actually put in their own personal budget an allowance to give this person this allowance. That's so beautiful. And after giving that allowance to them, I think it was like $5 a week or whatever it was, and they would do it at random times so that it wasn't, you know, an expected thing. It was just, but they, they were planning to, to hand over this money every week. They realised that whilst they'd been giving them this money, they'd never actually connected with this person beyond that donation. They'd never mm. spoken to them. They'd never really even made eye contact with them. It had just been a transaction that they had, had engaged in. Mm -hmm. And upon their reflection, they realised that the reason that they hadn't made that connection was out of fear. Mm. And it wasn't that they were afraid of being injured or attacked or robbed or anything like that. They had no suspicion that this person was, was going to be nefarious in any way. Yeah. But the thing that they were afraid of was if they connected with this person as a person, that they'd end up living in their living room. <laughs> 
because you know like the, the idea was once you recognize someone as a human being how can you resist mm. helping someone yeah. to the depths of your capacities mm. and and something about having those boundaries in place for yourself that allow you to feel fully for someone in a predicament and being able to assist them to some level yeah. without necessarily having to make a bed for them in your lounge room yeah. um, is, is a really interesting kind of concept to have to try and unpack as to how, how do we go about doing, yeah. achieving all of those things with an open heart yeah. But at the same time, with some boundaries. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it was a really yeah, fascinating yeah. thought and story, and and I wonder how much how much of that fear is what builds barriers for people beyond the the kind of like the hype of watching a a news story mm-hmm. and believing if you do watch the news, as say my nana. Mm-hmm. watches the news every night and she's pretty terrified actually to go outside because there's carjackings and there's you know there's all sorts of stuff going on that really in in all honesty and almost never likely to happen to her yeah but because that's what's featured she thinks that that's a reflection of the world outside yeah as a as a you know uh, indicative of what you could probably expect um and i wonder how much of society's kind of the arm's length that we keep each other at is because of that secondary fear mm. beyond that kind of other rational fear of almost irrational fear that someone's going to attack you. I'm 47 years old. No one's ever attacked me in my entire life. Yeah. I'm not afraid of people because I've no reason to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I don't make friends or I don't connect in a heartfelt way necessarily with someone sitting on the side of the street. Yeah. I just walk past them as if they're not a human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So really, yeah. I know I just, I really take that on. Like I really recognise what you're saying and mm. I think it's a really valid point around like what is the fear there of that connection and what does that connection potentially open up? Because yeah. then, yeah, how could you possibly turn your back on someone in that way? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. Well, the, the, the summary that this lady gave... Yeah. Uh, upon her reflections on that experience was that it all came down to trusting that there is a cycle and that there is some pattern in the universe, that there is some mm. some reason or force behind it all. A force is probably not the correct word because that sort of sounds like it's pushing yeah. as opposed to holding. Yeah. But but that there is something beyond our own individual understanding mm-hmm. that we can trust in. Mm. And so we can open ourselves to this human being and trust in the fact that their, that their process is their process and yeah. it's perfect. Yes, yeah. Even although from our individual perspective, yeah. we can't understand how is that possibly perfect. So true. But in the unfolding of everything, it has to be that way at yeah. that moment. Yeah. And I think also it probably triggers that part of us within us that, you know, a lot of people have is that wanting to help that, you know, wanting to see it feels discomfort. It feels uncomfortable for us to see someone in that state. So we then want to fix the problem. And maybe that person, you know, we, you know, I'm just saying we, but like, you know, concern of that that would happen if you connected too much. Maybe that person is to a certain degree, you know, that would never happen because mm. that's not what that person Yeah, wants. They, they don't want do to you know live in your lounge room. Like yeah. Do you know what I mean? And again, it's just our layering of stories yeah. of what we think. Um, but, 
yeah, it's a really interesting perspective as well. And I, I do agree. I think that the, it, it all comes down to a little bit of fear, doesn't it? Mm. Of, you know, what would happen if I let that person in? And yeah. Um, yeah. It's a complicated thing to, mm. to sit with your heart open as, as open as you can, mm-hmm. but also recognising that you can't fix, in inverted commas, everything. Yeah. Possibly can't fix anything, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting, interesting thought mm. experiment. How, how we can sort of work our way through that, yeah, and come to some sort of satisfactory conclusion mm. that doesn't leave you feeling like ah, maybe I should just keep keep the barriers up. Yeah. Um, yeah. How can I confidently open my heart to people? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful to think of this. Do you know what I mean? No, it's it's it's, it's I think it's important, you know, to think of these things as well. Like, well, I had an experience of it with Siobhan when we we did that silent retreat mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago and there was a sort of a, a expectation put in place that unless we we could see that somebody was in medical, you know, danger, yeah. they required our attention uh, to make sure that they were literally safe, yeah. we were going to honour their experience by not intervening should they be looking like they might be sad or a little bit distressed or something of that nature. And it was very difficult as a caring person to walk past someone who was clearly going through an upsetting mm. experience or process to resist that urge to sit down with them and go, hey, can I help at all, buddy? You know, is there, is there anything I can do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, Recognising that in that moment that there's a process. Mm-hmm. While I wouldn't anticipate or wish it upon them necessarily, mm. but recognising that it's perfect for them in this moment yeah. and that it can all be trusted was really challenging. Mm. And I think it was, a, it was a good learning experience for me to, to just take a step back and go, don't, don't have to try and fix everything, yeah. but you can hold people yeah, and, and be aware of them yeah. um, without necessarily having to intervene either. Yeah. Um, it's complicated. Yeah. Absolutely. It's I mean, I've... Can resonate with that fully as well, and in um, experiences where I've been holding space for people, and then you know they've had a strong emotional reaction, and my first instinct is be like, "It's okay." It's yeah, like yeah. I don't know what they're, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it yeah. may not be okay for them, and yeah. and from my perspective, it is it is it's um that was just my discomfort of yep. not enjoying seeing them cry, yeah, feeling as though sure. it was my fault, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it really had nothing to do with me. Yep. And in some ways, you know, I, I look back now and I probably go, "Well, that was that was really good that they had the opportunity to cry." As we know, that's really important to when it comes to you know trauma release and things like that um and so yeah i I think i would have had a tough time of it as well in that in that Mm -hmm. setting but it does sound as though it was it went well though oh it was i think it was quite a powerful experience for people not everybody probably you know i mean you can't expect everyone's gonna have have some sort of profound uh experience but I believe the people who needed one mm. had one. Yeah. <laughs> or certainly got from it what they what they needed, if not necessarily what they wanted. Yeah. Um, so much so that we're definitely looking to to do them again in the future. Mm. We were planning on doing one in November, but we've decided that we'll wait until next year. Okay. I think now just to give it all a bit of space. Yeah. Uh, rather than trying to kind of force it into our program, which is already quite quite busy. Yeah. yeah. Do it a little bit more of an intentional way. Um, but I think as well that being that silent retreat setting, like, again, you know, as we were speaking about earlier, um, what an opportunity for people to go inwards. Yeah. You know, and yeah. to find their answers within. And, and um, yeah, and that sometimes that 
is not always comfortable in itself, you know, the silence, but I think it definitely holds a big place for potential transformation and mm. Yeah, well, because we can spend our lives so busy being busy mm. that the things that are sort of sitting just behind the, the veil mm. of, of our perception that oftentimes are some really big questions and big emotions and big realizations and realities but because we can stay busy you know scrolling through tiktok or whatever else mm. or just even being more productive than that you know actually doing stuff yeah um yeah those those experiences aren't necessarily had and and so then when they come to a head they can be so overwhelming mm. i believe because you just haven't had an opportunity to sort of touch in on them in, in a more organic way or yeah uh, in a more controlled way, possibly. Yeah. 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 And I'm thinking about um, recently. I just I had this experience where I was sitting. I was, I was sitting in silence, and I'd, I'd gone away camping intentionally to do that. And I didn't plan on having this thought, but I just had this thought about the. Um, and it's a little bit of a downer. I apologise for that, but. I just had this thought about my parents' mortality, mm. you know, and about the reality of the way life is, the way life goes, and how fortunate, A, the, the, the um, gratitude that I felt for having had my parents for as long as I've had and for hopefully many years to come. But even as lucky as I have been and will be, one day that luck's going to run out yeah. and... Um, and just just facing that that reality mm. in a relatively controlled way and slightly removed from the lived experience of losing a parent but still touching in on what that must be like and and um, and I'm sure it was just a glimpse rather than the full the full dose yeah but I think it's really important to have those experiences when we can and not be afraid of having those experiences, even though it, you know, it brought me to tears. Mm. It was very challenging to sit with. Mm. Um, but I do believe it, it will have prepared me to some degree, if you can ever be prepared for, for a trauma of that, that magnitude. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really important for people to allow that space mm. for those emotions to be explored. I think as well, like, um, and I guess you having a bit more, I think, experience in the Buddhist, you know, traditions and background and, you know, we spoke about the Four Noble Truths before as well and just that, um, I guess, in the Western society, you know, we don't speak too much about death. No. And yet it's yeah. the most natural thing there is. Yes. You know, we're born and we die and, yep. and we kind of, in some ways, I get, you know, we're so busy, we're so mm. busy and you just wonder whether we're avoiding the actual you know the trying to keep ourselves busy to avoid the anxiety of the fact that we're going to die yeah and everybody that we love is going to die yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. scary yeah, you know if you, if you if you look at it too much and i think um that's probably been you know a journey in my life as well where mm -hmm. when you actually stop in stillness um sometimes these things really do come to the surface and it's just <laughs> it can be very very overwhelming and mm. um but it is it is a part of life, isn't it? And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I get, I do get some comfort from, for me personally, through meditation. Yeah. But I know there is hundreds of vehicles for people to, to explore. Um, but for me, that those glimpses of that peace mm. that, can, that can come, that 
true rested silence, mm-hmm. the internal silence of it all, and how those experiences for me aren't, it's, it feels like going home. Like it feels like, ah, oh, oh, you can rest there. Yeah. That's kind of what I imagine it's all going to, like that is the eternal yeah. moment. That's um, constant. Yeah, for sure. And that, that everything that's springing forth from that, all of this creativity and life that comes from that, mm. that's the fleeting aspect and it's that sense of peace and serenity. That's the constant. Yeah. And that gives me some comfort. Yeah. Thinking, well, if that's what it's going to be like, you just get to meditate forever, that's all, that'll be okay. Yeah. I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because I also am pretty confident that that won't last forever either. I think there will be something There'll creative. Be, yeah, yeah. will fill that void because that seems to be just what happens. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so whatever techniques people use yeah. to find some meaning or some anxiety-reducing aspects yeah. around death and stuff like that, I think, again, worthwhile, mm. worth spending some time around. Absolutely. I think it does, to a certain degree, make those moments when there is quiet and silence... It, um, more comfortable yeah. if you're able to kind of yeah, I think have a so. level of acceptance. And probably can make the, the times when it's just hectic yeah, and intense more tolerable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay, this is, this is, this is a pass. This is what's happening right yeah, now. Exactly. And everything changes. And, and, and even within that hecticness, if you just slow down for a little bit, you can get back in touch mm. with that peaceful whatever that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't try and name it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So... Uh, we've really rabbit. I've rabbited on. I'm sorry, Paula. No, uh, <laughs> great. It's been lovely. Um, could you tell us a little bit? This is a question without notice, so you know, sure. if you can think of a Hit way me. of getting out of it, go for it. <laughs> but in your in your mind's eye, um, getting back to, to Riverdale and your new um, job title, which I'm really excited about, and I'm so glad that you approached me with that idea because it kind of, to me, kind of brought into the material world, this abstract idea, this abstract hope for Riverdale being seen more as a community Mm. hub for people rather than a destination for particular experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you describe, you know, in your your own words, what you think that might look like if you were to be successful in in your role? That's a hard one. I know, <laughs> that's why I'm sorry for... No, that's okay. <laughs> well, I guess, you know... Um, like if you could close your eyes and just uh, imagine, imagine what... Drop it, in. Yeah. <sighs> I guess um, one of the things I have been reflecting on that as well to go, well, how, how are we going to measure success yeah, this way? Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Said, yeah, before. <laughs> it's like, well, I think we are successful right now. I, I like, know, so do I. Um, but I think, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know what? Engagement, you know, people coming and 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 seeing people physically here um, at events, but also not only that, but the connections that they make. You know, whether that be, you know, some people might be at a state where they're, you know, they're ready to just be within their own space, and that's fine. Other people might be ready to make connections with like-minded or like-hearted people, and that's beautiful too. Mm. Um, and so, I guess people being present here and and that interaction. Um, even as I'm saying this, though, I'm like, yes, but how do we measure that? <laughs> yeah, <it> well, is- <laughs> no. I'm, I, no, like removed from that kind of KPI yeah. mindset. Yeah. It's just like, 
I was just wondering if you had a, a yeah. vision, literal vision yeah, in your so heart, which says like, oh, it will look a bit like this. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny when I say that measuring thing, it's again, you know, my background's in business. So you've always got yeah. to keep it, keep it in mind. It's like, is this viable? Yep. Um, and that's one of the things I love about Riverdale is yep. it's, it's different in, mm. in that way. And it, and it is a not-for-profit, which is so beautiful. But um, to me, just, you know, I think success would be seeing people come, seeing people together, seeing joy, seeing healing, sometimes mm. seeing crying. You know, seeing people come as they are, authentically them, um, and hopefully building those connections that, you know, go beyond here as well. And I, again, coming back to... I'll get to a more practical answer to this in a minute. Oh, no, I wasn't well. looking for one. I was just looking for a, uh, like a dream. I feel like there Share is the a dream. practicality of it as well, though, <laughs> that I'm excited about too. But, yeah, yeah just so that, um, again, you know, I just think there's, you know, part of this is my own experience because we always bring it up, you know, bring our own experiences to the table. But um, that longing to be seen and to be seen in our authentic nature and who we are. And I think that, you know, it's sometimes hard because I think a lot of people, we, we do get hurt throughout our lives and we shut ourselves off and we close our heart. And I think that, um, you know, if this creates opportunities where people can feel the love and just be held in that space of love and acceptance and for them to experience what they need to experience in that moment mm. is so beautiful. Yeah. So to me, that would be success. Yeah. Um, and I also think from a, um, you know, when we talked about community and, and, you know, it's literally taken me 12 months to kind of wrap my head around Riverdale and what the community is and the history of it and where we're going. And I love that you said before about just like holding, holding shape, but then also opening up. I think it's Louise Hay uh, dwell in the totality of possibilities. You know, there's so many possibilities for what it could be. And I think that as we move in this direction of, creating more events that are, I guess, hosted by Riverdale. Um, I think for me it was really important to come back to the mission of what Mm. Riverdale's mission is and and the larger organisation, the emissaries as well, to be, and it's got such a beautiful mission statement. Mm. And I think that, you you know, using that as inspiration, yeah, to help people feel a part of that community and part of something bigger than themselves um, so that when we do select those events that we're going to run, whether it be, you know, charitable events or whether it be, well, peace day or whatever it is, um, yeah, coming back to that mission of just, which I think really aligns with what we were talking about, just allowing people to have their own experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. and connecting with themselves into that sense of peace that is within all of us. Yeah. So I hope that answers the question. No, absolutely. The, the, the thing that I love about that is um, that idea that, that we are planning to and implementing a strategy to to try and make make sure that, more of the events that are being run at Riverdale are kind of representative of Riverdale. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I'm excited about is sort of the redefining of who Riverdale is, mm. so to speak, you know, yeah. sort of like taking it out of the hands of the three or four or five kind of empowered people um, who are very fortunate, like you and my, you and yeah. myself, um, to be employees here, but to, to try and expand people's understanding mm. of the opportunity that that Riverdale represents for them yeah. to share into the world and to participate in a collaborative way yeah. with an organisation that that does have a beautiful mission. For anyone who doesn't remember it, I'd, I'd love to share it again, which is to say that you know we, we uh, exist to inspire humanity to be motivated by love, truth and respect to create a sustainable and empowered future for all. Uh, I don't know. I'll get behind that. Um, I, I definitely get behind that. Yeah, I think I think for me personally, that's something that 
you could, you, you'd, I'd be happy if someone wrote that on my tombstone at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what Justin stood for. Yeah. He tried to do that. Yeah. Um, or at least he had an aspiration towards that. Um, yeah. I, I think it is a beautiful thing. And I think it is potent enough to attract people who have a, a shared vision for a better world. And we have the capacity here, and increasingly so, to to involve everyone who wants to be involved, um, to, to give them a sense of, you know, in inverted commas, again, ownership yeah. of this space because no individual owns it. Yeah. You know, this is an incorporated entity and its future is yet to be discovered. So it's... Um, Yes. It's a beautiful time. It is. And I think, um, sorry if I may, just going on from that is from, that has almost been a challenge though, hasn't it? Huge it, challenge. It's, it's a challenge. And I look at it and I go, oh, but there really is so much potential and mm. so much opportunity for people that want to be a part of it and want to share. And I think sometimes these opportunities, well, I don't know if this is correct, but you know, it, it's a very unique opportunity mm. and place. And so people probably just don't recognize that it's there, but yeah. we're here like, please come and be a part of it. And not only what our vision is by any means, bring yeah. your vision. Yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, create and, you know, so what you want as well. So it's, you know, it's an interesting thing, but I, I have, I have a lot of hope yeah. and a lot of, um, yeah, excitement. For yeah, I'm what super will excited. Be. Um, <laughs> I think the next five years at Riverdale and obviously beyond, I think the whole world, there's, there, there is some shift occurring. Mm. I know every generation believes that, that they're the generation that's going to change the world. I'm no different. <laughs> or I'd like to at least think that we are a link in that chain yeah. towards an improvement for humanity. Um, and I think on the whole part, if depending on the metrics you want to focus on, mm. it would be reasonable to say that we're continuing to head in it the right direction you know like there's more empowered people today i believe yeah. than have ever been in in the history of humanity information is more available for everyone which i believe is where a lot of this this turmoil is coming from because it is tearing down institutions that have have relied on being sources of power mm -hmm. for so long i'm not going to name them all yeah. um, but you know that power is shifting yeah. away from institutions to individuals and our capacity to, to regroup is going to be a key ingredient yeah. um, to, to make sure that it's, it's a, a change for the best Yeah, um, because it's not guaranteed to be. No. Uh, and it will take conscious effort, I think. Yeah. But, um, and I think, you know, intention and, and open-heartedness and all the, you know, things, that's going to help to steer it in that direction as yeah. well. And I think, I think we're... As a collective, very powerful, and attention flows where energy goes. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Have yep. you not heard that before? No, I'm oh, very – I live under a rock most of the time. Was, I think when I heard it was like <laughs> attention – oh, energy flows where attention goes. Attention goes guided by intention is another one, right? Um, which I'm like, yes. Um, yeah. Maybe that's I'll why I'm always down. like, what's the intention? <laughs> yep. Um, because I think it's so powerful and yep. I think as, as humanity, you know, it's – it's been a rocky ride and, and a lot of fear has been, you know, within society. And I think that, you know, if we can all focus on, you know, the outcome that we want and the world mm. that we want, it's mm -hmm. going to be much easier to get there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as the saying, another saying, gosh, I'm full of them. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's great because they, they so typically summarize big ideas in a way that's very, yeah. you know, like 
palatable or very easily remembered. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, sometimes, you know, it's darkest before dawn or, yep. you know, there's, um, you've got to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough. And I, mean, you know, <laughs> I love it. Keep, I know. keep them coming. You can tell I've been through a few. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's true, you know, as an individual, we do, you know, you do, yep. your biggest growth comes from an expansion, comes from those shitty, shitty times when yep. it's really, really dark. And, yep. and then you come out the other side of it. We discussed this the other day about yes. the butterfly. Yeah. And I think that humanity and the collective is, you know, I choose to believe, you know, I don't know anything for certain, but I choose to believe that we're in the same, you know, same path. Yeah. You know, as a collective, we're, we're experiencing a bit of a breakdown, but I, I feel as though and I truly choose to believe that we're heading towards that breakthrough yeah. um, to a better, brighter future. Amen, sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should end it there. That's a beautiful way to wrap it up. Story of empowerment. It's yeah. a it's a hopeful it's a hopeful vision. Um, do you have any last things you'd like to mention? No, no. Wonderful. Well, I would just like to thank you, Paula, for sharing your energy with us here at Riverdale. Um, Twelve months. It's gone very quickly. Yeah. To me, you feel like part of the family. So it's um, a real privilege to work with you, uh, and can't wait to see how it all unfolds over the next few years as as you kind of step and grow into and, and I guess shape your new job title and role to be something really powerful to share with the community. So. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Paula. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye, everyone. Bye.